Well, good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas to you. All right, you got warmed up a little bit. There we go. That's good. Uh, you know, sometimes you fall in a well and your eyes go cross. Sometimes you get kicked by a mule and they go back straight, right? I don't know where you are right now and all of that, but I'm really glad that you are here, and I'm really glad to celebrate Christmas with you and to get into God's Word with you and to spend some time with you. We are going to get into our Christmas series, God With Us, in just a moment, but right now I have the opportunity to make a really exciting announcement to you that we're very excited to share with you. Uh, on the screen, you're going to see a picture of Todd Calloway and his family. Uh, Todd is going to be joining our pastoral team, and we're so excited about that. Todd was a pastor of this church, um, one of our pastors, several years ago, and then was sent out by this church to plant a church in the Cleveland area. They have recently moved back, and he's going to be joining our pastoral team as our multiplication pastor. And so that sounds like he's really, really smart, right? Um, and so the idea there that we are bringing him on is to help us serve as pastors, but also with a specific um, role of helping develop spiritual leaders, pastors, preachers, and church planters so that we can make a bigger Im impact in the world around us. And so we're just extremely excited. So if you know Todd and you see Todd, man, tell him you're so glad that he's back. He'll be starting in January here with us. If you've never met Todd before and his family, Debbie, his wife, and, and the kids, you need to meet them. They are spectacular, and they are fun, and they are wonderful people, and we're so excited to have them. And so we celebrate that. Well, let's get into our Christmas series this morning. Again, God with us. No matter what's going on with you right now, no matter how things are going in your life right now, there is one huge truth we want you to know and we want you to get this Christmas. You are not alone. God is with you. So maybe right now you just feel like you're kind of away from everyone and everything right now. We want you to know that God is with us. You. Well, in this series, we've been talking about worry. We all have plenty to worry about, and I would say that worry is something that we all deal with. Some people are worried to death. Some people worry others to death. Either way, you're dealing with worry, aren't you? So uh, it's like one guy said to the other. He said, I will pay you $1,000 to take my worry and worry for me. The other guy said, okay. He said, where's the $1,000? And the other guy said back to him, that's the first thing you got to worry about. All right, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. This is our key verse. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. We've looked at it every week, and then we've looked at some other stories from the Bible. And we want this verse to permeate your heart and your soul. We want it to encourage you. We want it to stick with you. And you see in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. The first word we see there is to look or to behold, to notice, don't miss, take note of. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. And we've talked about this some. We don't want to just blow past it. This is the, the miracle of the incarnation. This is God giving us a child through a woman that we know her name is Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so this child that was to come did not have an earthly father, but had a heavenly father. It goes on to say, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is that name of Jesus that we mention probably more often this time of year than we do throughout the rest of the year. It's in our Christmas songs, this name for Jesus, Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. So let's let this stick. Let's let this get in our hearts. So help me out. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. Come on now. What does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. Let that flood over your soul for just a moment. This name of Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning that he literally is God, God with us. He's in our presence and we are in his. And it's an amazing, amazing promise. So I don't know where you are right now. Things may be going great for you. Your favorite TV show just got picked up for another season. And you got a Christmas bonus and it wasn't a Jelly of the Month Club. And man, things are going great. Things are going great. Listen, God is with you. Maybe right now things aren't going so great for you. Uh, maybe you're exhausted with life right now. Um, maybe you just don't know how you're going to make ends meet. We want you to know that God is with you. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the last thing I want to do is to um, come off as if I understand the things you're dealing with, that I can comprehend or even fix the anxieties that you face. Because here's what I know about my anxieties. I don't even understand my anxieties, much less do I understand yours. But they're real, aren't they? The things you're facing, the things you're dealing with, the things that are bothering you, the things that are consuming you, they are very, very real. But I also want us to know that Jesus is very real. And I don't want us to miss his unending presence. I don't want the cross to be a waste. I don't want the incarnation to be lost. I want us to experience what he has brought for us in himself and in his presence. And to remind you again that you are not alone. Another phrase that I've been saying every week that I want to reiterate is that we want you to know it's okay to say that you're not okay. If you're struggling right now, if you're overwhelmed right now, if you're feeling the weight of fear, anxiety, whatever it may be, we want you to know that it's okay to say that you feel that. And if you need some help from a doctor, if you need some help from a counselor, we want you to go. But all of us, all of us, all of us need to go to the Lord. And that's who we want to run to, and we want to experience His presence this morning. I want to give you a quick recap, and if you missed any one of these, I'd love for you to go back and listen, because we think there's some truths there that could really, really help you. Um, you're going to see them in your notes. You can uh, fill in the blanks here if you already uh, remember these things. You've probably already got them filled in. But from week one, we talked about this big idea, and that is that sometimes we need to get still, and we need to get a word from Emmanuel. Sometimes we just need to pause, and all the busyness of life, all the rush, all the hustle, all the bustle, and listen, I'm married, I've got four kids, I've got a job, my wife's got a job. We understand what it's like to move fast through life. But sometimes we just got to pause, and we got to get still, and we've got to get quiet, and we've got to get a word from the Lord. The next uh, thing we talked about, which was last week, is that sometimes we need to get out. Remember that little tent we were in? Sometimes we get in our own little world. Sometimes we need to get out of our own little world. And we need to see what God has done and be reminded of what he has promised. And then today, here's what we want to talk about. Today, we always, we always need to get down. It's this idea of posture. We always need to get down in 
prayer. Check out Philippians chapter 4, which is where we want to be this morning. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 4. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles in the seat uh, underneath there. You can grab one, and we'll be on page 985. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 4. The guy who's writing this, his name is Paul. And I think it's important for us to remember who's writing for a lot of reasons. In this instance, Paul's going to talk to us about God being with us. He's going to talk to us about joy. He's going to talk to us about prayer. And Paul is actually in jail when he writes this. So he's got a lot of stuff going on. If you read about his life, it seemed like most of the time things were going wrong more than they were going right. Just thing after thing came upon him as a result of him faithfully preaching the gospel. Paul wasn't in jail because he did something wrong or because he did something that broke the law as far as um, the word of God. It's not because he did something immoral. He literally was faithful to preach the gospel and they were trying to put a stop to him. And notice what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, from jail. He says, always, not every now and again, he says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. This is one of those verses of scripture that is great to read. It's great to proclaim. But when you kind of look at your own life and you kind of think about how we go throughout every single day, it makes you ask the question, do I always rejoice? Do I always find joy in the Lord? I'm going to be the first. I may be the last, but I'm going to be the first in this room to tell you I struggle to every day make the choice to always be full of joy in the Lord. But I need to be. I need to be finding my joy in the Lord. And Paul from jail says, I'm giving you a call, and with that call you have a choice. What's the call? The call is to find joy in the Lord. The call is to rejoice. The choice then is I can choose to have joy in the Lord. I can choose to rejoice. How can we rejoice? Because he is with us. Notice in the last part of verse number 4, he says, I say it again, Rejoice. So it's not good enough to choose joy just right now. You need to choose it again later, and you need to choose it again later, and you need to choose it again later. You don't just need to rejoice now, you need to rejoice again later. Um, this is kind of maybe strange for you to hear, but this is one of the reasons why I'm actually thankful for two services on Sunday morning at Holland Chapel. I get to rejoice twice on Sunday morning. And I, I, I come to first, and then I come to second. I'm not saying you've got to, but I need to. One, because i got to preach, but two, because I need to rejoice in the Lord again. And I'm going to tell you, I enjoy worshiping with you at 9 a.m., but I'll just tell you, my worship just goes up another notch at 1045. And it's not the people in the room, it's the fact that I'm doing it again. And so the principle is, not that you got to come to church twice on Sunday morning, the principle is, once you rejoice in the Lord, it is giving you an opportunity to rejoice even greater in His name and in His presence. So this morning, we've rejoiced. We've been glad in the Lord. This afternoon, when you're doing whatever it is that you do, take the opportunity to rejoice in the Lord again. Look at verse number 5. It says, let everyone see that you are considerate. Uh, we could say reasonable, and we could say gentle. Let everyone see that you are considerate. Let everyone see that you are reasonable. Let everyone see that you are gentle, gentle in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Considerate, reasonable, and gentle. How often do I look this way at home? 
considerate, reasonable, and gentle. I'm asking myself that question. If you want to ask yourself that question too, go for it. But I'm asking myself that question. What considerate and reasonable and gentle looks like is the opposite of grumbling. I grumble way too much at home. And again, I may be the only one, but I struggle with it. And it says that we should be considerate in all that we do. Guess what grumbling does? Mm. Grumbling just reinforces the problem. Your problem doesn't need your help. And when you grumble and when you complain, when I grumble and I complain, I just make the problem worse. I blew it the other night. I did not find myself being considerate, reasonable, and or gentle. I was grumbling. And uh, just everybody in our house the other night, we just all weren't doing well. You know how that goes sometimes. It just seems like everybody's going sideways. And I was feeling that, and I knew that I was responsible for that as the dad. And, and anyway, I decided that I would just grumble to my wife. Let me tell you how that went. Very badly. <laughs> and it's not because of her. It's because I wasn't considerate, I wasn't reasonable, and I wasn't gentle. And I took my complaints to my wife rather than doing what Philippians, the next verse, tells me to do, which is to take my complaints to who? The Lord. How many times do we stir things up and we make things worse and we push joy out the window and we just wallow in and relish in our grumbling rather than going to the Lord in prayer? Look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 6. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. So what should I worry about? Nothing. What should I pray about? I should worry about nothing. And I should pray about everything. should worry about nothing, and I should pray about everything. Uh, another translation, this is my translation, quit whining, start praying. Don't get all worked up. Instead, get down in prayer. Again, we always, always, always need to get down in prayer. We need to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord and talk to him and give him our worries and give him our fears and give him our problems and give him our doubts and give him our needs. How many of you would say, you don't have to raise your hand, but you would just, if somebody asked you the question, like, are you good at praying or not? How many of you would just say, I don't feel like I'm very good at praying? Like, that's just me. I don't feel like I'm very good at praying. I hear this often from followers of Jesus. Like, hey, don't call on me to pray, like in a setting, you know, like where there's a group. Don't call me to pray. I'm not very good in praying. Or just in general, I just don't think I'm very good at praying. Let me ask you this. Are you good at worrying? Okay, if you're good at worrying, guess what you can be? Really good at praying. It's just redirecting your worry from people to the creator of all people. From the people who are causing the problem or can't fix the problem to the one who can fix everything. It's shifting your worry. So if you are a good worrier, you can be a good prayer. So shift it to the one who can make a difference. What do I tell him? All the stuff you're worried about. So do you have something to pray about? Well, do you have stuff to worry about? Then you have stuff to pray about. Tell him all the stuff you're worried about. The conversation I had with my wife the other night, I should have had with Jesus. I should have had with Jesus. 
How many conversations do we have with other people who can't fix our problem, and yet we want them to hear and to feel and to know, and all we're doing is just making the matter worse, and then gossip starts and all kinds of problems when we could have just taken all of our worry and said, you know what, I'm going to choose not to worry, I'm going to choose to pray and take it to the one who can make a difference. Jesus wants to hear all of your stuff. There's no magic words that you have to say when you pray. There's no one-way formula that you have to do it. You express what you are worried about to God in faith that he can take care of it. And that is prayer. That is prayer. Your worry, it's an indicator that you need to pray. So if you've got worry in your life, that is a God-given trigger for you to realize, I need to pray. You need to invite the invisible into the visible. You've got all your stuff that you can see and touch and that's all messed up. You need to invite the one you can't see but you believe in into your situation. That's what we do when we pray. Philippians 4 and verse 6, um, it, it says there, again, uh, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Notice this same verse in a different translation. It's in the NIV because I want to focus on the last part of this verse because there's some serious stuff going on here. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with what? With thanksgiving, present your request to God. The idea that's being given here is you should actually give God thanks for your problems. What? What? Wait a minute. Like Thanksgiving was on November, right? Thanksgiving's when I'm supposed to be thankful for stuff. It's Christmas. I'm supposed to make a list of what I want. Right? Well, here we are, just a couple days from Christmas, and the Scripture is telling me, telling you to not worry about anything, but to pray about everything, and to actually give thanks to God for the things that we're asking Him for, the problems that we're presenting, the issues that we are bringing to Him. Why? Because when I'm bringing Him my problems, I'm reminded that my problem is going to give me an opportunity to see God work in my life in an amazing way. But we want a problem-free life. Guess what a problem-free life leads to? No need of God. If you've got problems in your life, you have a need of God. If you have worry in your life, you have a need to pray. It is an opportunity. And so go to him in gratefulness. When's the last time you gave God thanks for the thing that was driving you nuts? When's the last time I thank God for my kids? That's what I'm asking myself right now. I do love them. I love them very much. We always need to get down in prayer. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, stories really quick to kind of illustrate how I've seen this happening in real life lately. Um, so we took a trip to Peru, as many of you know, know 16 of us, and, and it was an amazing trip. There's so many stories, and I've been careful not just to tell you story after story after story, but there's just some of them I've got to tell. One of the neatest moments was when we were hanging out with Pastor Dario, and I believe his picture is going to come on the screen here. He's in the middle. Um, those are his two girls on either side. Um, that's his wife um, on the right over there, and that's my wife on the left taking a picture with them. He also has a 17-year-old son. Anyway, we were hanging out uh, with our team and their team of leaders in their church, and uh, we were just talking, and he was just sharing his heart. And um, as a lot of you know, we gave money so that this church could build a building a little over a year ago now. And they were able to build that building, and we were ongoing in our support of them through sponsoring children through Compassion International. And so many of you are doing that. And 
thank God for you because those little ones, their lives are being changed, their families are being changed, their communities being changed. Well, we kind of rolled in there from, you know, the good old Benton United States of America, right? And we thought, here we are to serve and to help and to encourage and to be a blessing. And man, we are just this church that's helping this other church. Well, Pastor Dorio was sharing his heart. And here's what he said, so humbly, so humbly. He told us while we were standing in a circle, he said, every Sunday for the last year, our church has met to fast and pray for Holland Chapel. Every Sunday for the last year, our church has met to fast and pray. In case you don't know what fasting means, (laughs) that means they chose not to eat. And instead of eating food, they have been praying for us. And it just went over me. Rest of our team caught it. I looked at my wife. I looked at Josh and some others. And, of course, we got together afterwards, and we said, did you hear what he said? And we all said, yes, we heard what he said. And when he's talking about what blessings have we experienced here in the good old United States of America, we've got more than enough of everything that we need, but we've experienced the blessings of God because of a little short man named Dario on the other side of the world down below us leading his church to set aside food and to pray for us every single Sunday. And man, it just overwhelmed our hearts with gratitude and humility to hear this guy talk about this. And I thought, man, they are praying and fasting, and most of us, we just go fast and pray. We just go fast and pray. We are, and in between, when we breathe, God help me. And they, slowing down, setting aside food, and praying. It was just amazing to hear these people who have way more reason to be worried than we do. And yet they are choosing in all of that to pray, and not just pray for themselves, but to pray for us. There's another picture I want to show you on the screen where I've just seen this in real life lately. Um, this little guy's named Zane. A lot of you know who he is. If you don't, you need to know. Um, he's in the hospital right now. He's been in and out of the hospital so many times. I don't know if they've even tried to keep count. Uh, we're praying that he'll be home uh, for Christmas um, as he is getting better right now. Uh, but he actually has no kidneys in his bodies right now. In his body right now, no kidneys. Like they removed them. And he is getting ready for a transplant, of which we got good news. It looks like his dad, Kirk, is going to be a, a full match. There's a few more things they got to go through, so pray that all that comes through. But anyway, this last week they had a terrible scare. Um, Zane had um, uh, a seizure. And he never had a seizure before, and they didn't know what caused it. And you can imagine the panic that went over mom and dad, Brandy, and Kirk's uh, hearts and minds as they were experiencing that. Anyway, just weird complications happened with him this last week, all of which right now they've been able to take care of. But as they were about to go in for surgery, uh, I went in to see him, and Zane's laying there. And uh, Zane's just an amazing little guy full of uh, just passion and faith and joy. And I was talking to Brandy, and this could be said of Kirk as well, but Brandy's the one that said it at the time. And we were just talking, and she was telling me what was going to happen and how it all come about. And here's what she said, just with faith and with joy in her heart and a peace that doesn't make any sense, Here's what she said. She said, there are a lot of things in the world that could be happening to him right now that will be a lot worse. And I just heard thanksgiving in her. I heard faith in her. I heard joy in her that doesn't make any sense. Look now at verse number, uh, verse number 7. 
After you choose not to worry and to pray, look at verse, verse 7. Then, then, only then, when you choose not to worry and to pray, then you will experience God's peace. I saw a peace in Brandy that could only come through the peace of God. It says, which exceeds, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You ever have one of those moments when everything on the outside is chaos and there's calm on the inside? You ever have one of those moments when everything on the outside is falling apart and it just seems like God's holding you up on the inside and there's just a peace that you can't explain. Everybody around you thinks you ought to be falling apart, but you're not because God's holding you together because you chose not to worry in this instance, but to say, God, I can't control it. I can't fix it. You can. I'm trusting you with it. I'm concerned about it. I want it to be different, but I'm trusting you. A moment where the peace of God would pass all understanding comes over you, and you just can't explain it. Have you ever had one of those moments? You have if you've chosen not to worry and to pray. It makes me wonder why we don't follow the biblical example more times. Why in those moments where we are worried and we're full of doubt and we're full of fear, we don't just choose to say, God, you're in control and I'm not. And allow him to bring over this peace, this peace that passes all understanding. Verse number eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing fix, set your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He is telling us what we've got to do with our minds to keep ourselves focused on the joy that we have because the Lord is with us and to keep us in a mindset of prayer rather than worry. He says you've got to fix your mind on these types of things. What's your mind set on all the time? Is it set on things that are worthy of praise? Is your mind constantly on things that you would be glad to stand up in a gathering like this and say, you know what, let me tell you what I've been thinking about because when I tell you, you're going to give God praise for it. Or someone was like, I'd rather not tell you what's going on in my head right now. I think most of the time we're thinking I wouldn't want to tell you what's going on in my head right now. And yet he's saying for us to fix our minds, fix our thoughts Notice what it says on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Look at verse number 9. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I love this phrase. Did you see how he flipped it? Just a few verses ago, he said that we were going to give you the peace of God. Now he takes it to another level and he says, if you do all these things, then the God of peace will be with you. Which one's of greater value to you? The peace of God or the God of peace? I don't know about you, but I'm going to claim a radio right here and I'm going to say, I'll take both. God of peace. The peace of God, he's given us the formula to get it, and he's presenting it to us, knowing us, knowing that God is with us. And again, this last phrase, then the God of peace will be with you. He is here. The God of peace is here. And when I say here, I don't just mean because we're in this building at this time. Yes, for sure, because we're in this building at this time. 
but it's greater than this building and it's greater than this time. God of peace is here with us because he is faithful to be with us always. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. When he told his followers to go out and tell people about him, he said, tell people about me because they can know me too and they can experience me too. Everywhere we go, God goes with us. And yet sometimes we're at home or we're at work or we're in the midst of our problem or in the midst of our chaos and we forget that God is what? With us. But he's with us. He is with us. Emmanuel. God with us. Oh, to know, to recognize, to have, to experience the very presence and person of God in our lives. Jesus, Emmanuel, came for us. Jesus lived for us. Jesus died for us. He came to deal with our sin on the cross. Jesus, Emmanuel, rose from the dead for us. Jesus thought of us, I mean like cognitively thought of you, thought of me when he was here physically on this planet walking and talking amongst his followers. And he knew that we would come to this place in time, you would be dealing with what you're dealing with and you would be going through what you're going through and you would be struggling with what you're struggling with. And he said, you know what? They're going to need me. They're going to need, you're going to need me. And so one of the things that he did was give us this incredible gift of communion. And he gave this gift to his followers so that when we take the bread and we take the cup, we get to remember him, we get to commune with him, we get to be again in his presence. And through the body, uh, through, excuse me, through the bread, we get to remember the sacrifice of his body. And through the cup, we get to remember the giving of his blood for our sin. This is who he is, and this is what he has done. A time to be reminded of his presence, a communion, a time to be with him, a time to remember him, a time to experience him, a time for his followers to worship and commune with him. Again, the cup reminds us of his blood, and the bread reminds us of his body. So today, if you're a follower of Jesus... You have the opportunity to remember Jesus and who he is and what he did a couple thousand years ago, but also to be reminded of his very presence today. He is still with us. And some of you need to be with him this morning. And so this morning, don't miss the opportunity as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to be with Jesus, not just to do something but to be with Jesus. That is the opportunity that we have in communion through the Lord's Supper. Um, in just a few moments, um, I'm going to pray. And after this prayer, we're going to invite followers of Jesus, those of you who know him and believe in him, to come and to experience his presence and to remember his body and to remember his blood, to take the cup and to take the bread. For those of you that are parents in the room and you got little ones because we're not doing kids ministry today, giving those guys a little bit of a break, this is a great teachable moment for you as a mom or a dad or a grandparent that if your kids are with you and they're not a believer yet, they've not come to that place of faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior yet, to talk about his grace, to talk about his presence, to talk about his hope, to talk about his rescue, and for them to see you take the body and to take the cup and to remember Jesus and for them to watch and to experience that. 
If you've not yet placed your faith in Jesus today, for him to be your Savior, we want you to meet Jesus today. He is here. He is with us. We do not want you to miss him. We do not want you to miss him. So as believers are coming and taking the cup and taking the bread, maybe you need to come to Jesus today and become a believer and receive in him, receive in you, your, him as your Lord and your Savior so that he can forgive you and cleanse you as he has for the rest. We encourage you to place your faith in Jesus. Followers of Jesus, let's commune with Jesus. Let's remember him. Let's worship him. Let's experience him today. There are tables in the front, and there are tables in the very back, behind the back rows. And so you can go back or you can come forward, whichever works best for you. If you want to take a moment by yourself, just you and Jesus, take this moment. If your family's with you, I'd encourage you to gather up with them, pray and thank Jesus for his, for his blood and for his body, and just remember him in communion this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to invite you to come. Father, we bow before you this morning. We thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are Emmanuel. You are God with us. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven to be here on this planet to live a perfect life and to die a death on the cross and to come back from the dead so that all of our sins could be paid for, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with you, so that we could have communion with you, so that we could connect with you. So today, those of us who have placed our faith in you and we are following you with our lives, we are saying to you that we remember you today and we want to experience you today. Father, I pray that you give a special moment for those that are struggling, those who are feeling alone those who are maybe feeling forsaken, that, God, they would just have a moment with you this morning, an experience with you this morning that is fresh, that is real, that is tangible, but it's greater than that. It's spiritual, and it reaches to the depths of their souls in a place that maybe the rest of us can't even see or know. I pray that as we take the bread and as we take the cup, we focus on things that are true and that are lovely and that are admirable, and, oh, Jesus, are you true? Are you admirable? Are you lovely? So we're going to fix our thoughts on you this morning. We're going to choose not to worry. God, if there's things we're worried about, we're going to shove it to you in pray, prayer, remembering that you are the one who can fix it. And God, we're going to worship you today. God, you are with us. Thank you. Take this time of worship of your church and be glorified. Take this time in families to work and to move and to encourage and to bless. God, we trust you, and we need you. God, if there's one here today that needs to place their faith in Jesus to become their Lord and Savior, we pray that today would be that day. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.